Houston Star of Hope Mission brings you a moment of hope. Could you spare a little hope today? Hi, this is Scott Arthur. Did you know that the Star of Hope is one of the oldest and largest homeless providers in America? Every single day we reach out to and provide services for more than a thousand homeless and nearly homeless men, women, and children in Houston and the surrounding areas. We have a men's development center downtown that can provide recovery programs for hundreds of residents. And on our 48-acre Cornerstone Community Campus off of Reed Road in 288, we have our Women and Family Development Center. It can host up to 180 single women and about 130 families as they find their way back to independent living. Our programs focus on employment and strengthening of faith and recovery from substance abuse and life skills and education, and residents can stay with us for up to a year. Working with the homeless men, women, and children in our facilities is one of the ways that we help change lives, but guess what? It's not the only way. About 10 years ago, Star of Hope formed a new department called Extended Services. Now, this department has evolved and grown to provide housing referrals, rental assistance, moral support and assistance to the nearly homeless, uh, acting as a liaison to partners and nonprofits and creating a fleet of vans and satellite offices to connect with the street homeless in four Houston area counties and so much more. Our guests today are from Extended Services. We have Di Tubbs, the manager of Outreach Services, and Michelle Jones-Allen, who is an extended services case manager. Between the two of them, we're going to find out a whole lot more about the other ways the Star of Hope reaches out to the community. So let's begin with uh, talking to the ladies. So Di, tell us about yourself. How long have you been with Star of Hope? I've been with Star of Hope almost 19 years. It'll be 19 years in March of 2023, so I'm coming down the pipeline of some amazing years here at Star of Hope Mission. Um, I started out as the personal development instructor and then turned into a program coordinator and it was a really cool journey from working inside of our transitional living center to teaching personal development classes to career development classes and then having an opportunity to venture over into a world called outreach all by myself into a team that's blossomed and I know we're going to talk a little bit more a little bit more about that and Michelle is a part of that outreach team so it's been an amazing journey. I have some really cool moments here, and I'm just glad to be a part of this experience. And we have some time, and we're going to find out more about that experience. How about you, Michelle? How did you get involved with Star of Hope? Um, I actually learned about Star of Hope through Di. Um, she was actually working here, and I transitioned from the legal field. I was a probation officer prior to joining the team here at Star of Hope. But I have actually been with Star of Hope 18 years. Mm. And it has been a very rewarding um, experience working here and working with the families and see each family transition into self-sufficiency and overcome some of the barriers that they have faced that has led to their homelessness. Dad, tell us about Extended Services. I mean, just give us a quick overview. Well, the Extended Services Department was created around the year 2012-2013, and it first started out with New Haven and Outreach, and then we've ventured into the world of New Heights, which you so eloquently described, that beautiful property out on Reed Road, and that's where the New Heights community is. But New Haven is a permanent supportive housing program for single men and women, and through this program, anyone can be referred that has a disability, whether it's mental health or a physical disability, and they are also considered to be chronically homeless. 
but individuals who are referred have to go through the coordinated access system. Um, this program, as well as New Heights, individuals who are referred must have some type of mental health or physical disability. I stress that part because we've had phone calls from individuals saying, I heard about your housing program at New Haven. I've heard about your housing program at New Heights. I'm ready. I have an individual who needs housing. I have a family who needs housing, but what are the requirements? And so we let the individual know or the family or the person who's referring someone know that these are the main requirements in regard to making the referral process. Okay, hold on. You're, you're throwing a lot of stuff at us here. Oh, my gosh. Uh, let me go back. Okay. What is coordinated access? Coordinated access. I'm actually going to allow Michelle to explain that in great detail because Michelle is a coordinated access assessor, and she can give a full scope of that because she applies these assessments, well, allows individuals to receive these assessments on a daily basis when they are um, – seeking opportunities for housing. So Michelle, can you explain what coordinated access is? Coordinated access is an assessment that puts a homeless person or near homeless person in the main entry pathway to connecting them to housing. There are various agencies that participate and have coordinated access assessors as well as navigators, um, case management teams, diversion staff, um, that all come from this one assessment and which field the client goes into or which program the client goes into is determined based on how the client has answered the question. So it's not necessarily something that we pick for them, but it's based off of their individual situations and each question has been weighted so that we know which program would be most beneficial for the client. Okay, so who comes to you and, and what do they say? They, they don't want to say that we want to get involved with coordinated access. I mean, they say we need help and you guys go ahead and just get out the chart. Is that right? Yes, sir. It's actually a program that's on the computer. We receive a lot of phone calls as well as emails from our online system with families and individuals that are reaching out to us in need of a place to stay or initially they'll ask for like rental or hotel assistance. Um, there are a few questions that we ask them just in order to get some additional information to see what their circumstance or situation is. And at that time, it's usually best for them to at least complete that assessment. Not to say that we won't make other referrals or recommendations, but that is the key entry point for them to start the process for getting into either permanent supportive housing, rapid rehousing, or going into the diversion program. Okay, there's a lot of terms there, and we're going to get into that a little bit later. But give me an example of some of the questions for coordinated access. Um, one of the most important questions is about their homeless history. And for most people, we will think, okay, anyone that doesn't have their own place to stay is homeless. But that is not technically the definition according to the Way Home Project and Coordinated Access. Homelessness is defined as a place not meant for habitation, a shelter, emergency shelter, um, or any placement that they are not going to be able to be at at least 90 days or longer. Um, if they are there 90 days or longer, then they are considered housed, and that would be places like transitional living programs that allow them to be there for longer than 90 days, or if it's someone who is incarcerated and they have a long-term sentence, they would be considered housed according to the assessment. But individuals who are staying in shelters or sleeping on the streets or sleeping in their vehicles or abandoned building, things of that nature, they're the ones that are considered homeless. 
Um, unfortunately, individuals who are staying with family members or friends would not necessarily meet that qualification. Um, but if they have a date that the family member has told them that they have to be out, then we can use that same assessment to try and qualify them for the diversion program. What about if a family is uh, staying in a car for about two days? Are they considered homeless? Yes, sir, they are. Mm-hmm. Anyone at the immediate time that they get in contact with us, we go based off of where they're at at that moment. So if they're in their car, on the streets, um, or just tell us in general, like, this is my first day and I have no place to go, so I'm not sure where I'm going to sleep tonight, we are able to do the assessment for them. How do they know who to contact? Generally, they have reached out to some other agencies um, that may have referred them to Star of Hope. Or again, most of the time, the clients are very resourceful in trying to find connections to get help. So they may have called in to Star of Hope. They may have found us online and completed one of the applications um, that come directly to our email so that we're able to reach out to them or through our street outreach. Um, We do have um, case management staff that's actually out on the streets meeting with people and assisting clients. I have some days where I am in the Conroe area. And so I'm able to connect with clients that are physically staying at Salvation Army or maybe sleeping out in front of Salvation Army if it does not have space or at the Community Assistance Center or at the domestic violence facility. So we actually partner with other agencies to go out as well to try and get the individuals who meet the criteria qualified to get them on the list. Is there a scoring system for this? Does somebody fill out all of the Uh, questions and they hand it back to you and they get a score and based on that score is how they are helped? Um, Yes and no. They don't actually get a sheet to fill out. We ask them questions and we input the information into a system that we use called Client Track. There has been an assigned weight to each question and each answer and that determines the scoring system for how the client is scored. The other situation with the scoring is that additional people are being assessed each day. So if you complete an assessment with me and your number could be fairly high, but if we run into someone tomorrow who may have just been released from the hospital, they have congestive heart failure as well as another uh, assortment of other issues that are going on, at that point when we complete their assessment and based on how they answered those questions, their number could be higher than yours. So at that point, they will go ahead of you on the list. And do you make that determination or do you just plug it into a computer and it comes out and gives you the answer? I plug it into a computer. <laughs> <laughs> the the Houston Homeless Coalition has basically created the scale um, regarding the questions that are in there. They're asked questions about mental health, they're asked questions about physical health, they're asked questions about learning disabilities, as well as their family makeup, if any of their children have disabilities, um, as well as their homeless history. I would say the biggest part of the assessment has to do with their homeless history. Um, If you are someone that has a history of homelessness and you have checked into other facilities that are using the client track system, it's a lot easier to get those individuals placed on the list and get them into housing is just more efficient because we do have documentation regarding their homeless history. Whereas if individuals do not have documentation of their homeless history, we may have to assist them with getting in contact with places that they've stayed, even if they were out of county or out of state, 
to get homeless letters for documentation. Um, documentation specifically for permanent supportive housing is mandatory and key in getting a person housed. They cannot actually get placed into a placement until they have documented their homeless history. Unfortunately, we do have some people that are not always 100% truthful with us, and we want to make sure that we are actually housing the individuals who are really chronically homeless first. Which is the beauty of the system. Yes, sir. What about some of the people who are, are affected by mental illness or alcohol, and they really don't even understand the questions, let alone the answers? Well, due to the fact that I have been in this field for so long, that is generally something that we may not be able to tell exactly what is going on or know the exact diagnosis if the person has not sought out mental health treatment before. But that is something that we take into account when we work with them. They may take longer to complete the assessment, but one of the questions that's on the assessment asks if the person has mental health illnesses and we have to put what they answer but the second follow-up question to that is if there are signs of mental health issues present and we can actually put our own personal answer for that question so even though a person may not be willing to accept at that point the different things that are going on with them it does take into account um, our interaction with them and what we are able to visibly see or hear and speaking and meeting with the person Okay, so we've gone through the checklist, uh, we've gotten an okay, and now we go back over to Di, and Di says, okay, well, we have this, and we have this. And you were throwing a lot of things out, the New Hope, New Heights. New uh, Haven, the outreach team in New Heights. I will just say this, too, because Michelle so eloquently, you guys are great, by the way. I'm just here just soaking this all in. New Haven is a program, like I said before, for single men and single women who have been diagnosed with some sort of disability. And our New Heights program is more geared towards singles as well as families. Um, we spoke about the property at Cornerstone, so that's a program where individuals who are seeking housing opportunities who can receive that coordinated access assessment that Michelle was speaking about receive not only support from a housing aspect, but all the many social services that come alongside the case management walk with providing counseling, financial literacy for you and your family, um, prayer and support, and of course, uh, counseling for the family as a whole. So I'm really excited about the great things that the Extended Services Department is doing and how we're growing to not only continue to help um, homeless men and women and children, but we're doing it in a scope that's totally different, um, that's new in many capacities, whether it's filling out that detailed checklist to make sure that this individual is being assessed accordingly so that we can provide the proper services that are needed. Let's say that you already talked to a mom and two kids. Take us through that. Let's assume that we have an imaginary family here. Well, it depends in detail on the situation because it could be an individual that uh, may have been in a car for two days like you spoke about earlier, mm -hmm. or it may be a family that's preferred from an agency like the community, um, the Crisis uh, Assistance Center out in Conroe um, where Michelle works. Um, so it, it really depends in, on are we helping this family because they need temporary support in regards to transitioning to that permanent supportive housing that they may have been approved for through coordinated access, or are they needing hotel assistance? before the permanent supportive housing play comes into full effect. So when a case is presented to me, Michelle will lay out, or anyone from my team, will begin to lay out all the details about the individual. 
And after great assessment and great prayer and deciding what's best, then we make key solutions and, and put things in place to be able to help the family. So if it was a family who was in the parking lot, because we did have a, a very similar situation to this, mother with two children in the parking lot in the car at a McDonald's, and we got a referral stating that this individual needed some support. Well, we checked various shelters, and unfortunately many of them were full at the time, and so the best solution in that particular moment was to transition her and her family into a hotel stay. Well, that hotel stay did take some time. It was a couple of weeks, and then after that, we were able to sit down with the family, and Michelle walked with her from a financial standpoint because she had employment, but she was trying to gain a greater job to have greater employment so she could really take care of her family. And she was blessed with the opportunity to increase her income with a new job that was coming forth. And so as a result, Michelle was able to walk with her and help her to find an apartment complex that was suitable for her budget, a daycare center that was nearby, a new school that could also um, be introduced to her family because she was nervous about transitioning her children from one side of town to another. And as a result, the young lady and her family are now in an apartment complex. She's working. She's working with Michelle to save money. Her children are in their new school, and they're on the path to self-sufficiency because now she's trying to save her money to make sure that she's not in a place, in a space of living in her car again. So you take each individual or individual family and consider their needs, consider what they want for the future, right. and then look at what we have to offer, the different categories, and you place them in that. And then you also monitor them and make sure that they continue to be okay. Let me ask you this. What is permanent supportive housing? You've said that a few times. Michelle? Permanent supportive housing is permanent. One of the key things that comes from the coordinated access assessment is for individuals who are chronically homeless as well as diagnosed with a disability, and it can be a mental disability, physical disability, intellectual or learning disability. Um, they do not have to have previously been diagnosed with it, but they, if we can get documentation that there is a diagnosis, then they are able to meet those qualifications and they're able to go into an apartment on a permanent supportive housing voucher. With the permanent supportive housing voucher, it comes with case management assistance, um, as well as a navigator to try and help that individual to locate apartment or a unit that's going to be suitable for them and their family. And it provides the case management support to get the person connected to the services that they need. And is this all done with Star of Hope or by Star of Hope? It can be done by Star of Hope. It depends on which agency the client is working with at the time. Um, one of the things that happens is that clients will transition from shelter to shelter. And so for the most part, our clients have been really good about keeping in contact with us, even if they move around. When they get to that point, sometimes even if they have a case manager or a caseworker from another department or another team, they'll still call and say, hey, they want me to do this, this, and this. Can you help me? Because I don't understand what's going on. So that is one of the things that we are able to do, work with our clients and sit down and talk with them to make sure that they have a full understanding. And if we need to advocate for them to get something additional, we're able to do that as well. So our clients are really good about keeping in contact with us. We're good about checking in with them. Several of our clients, we hear back from them at least several times throughout the year, if only just to say, hey, we're still doing okay, and thank you guys for assisting us. 
We continue to try and maintain a relationship with our clients so that they don't have to go all the way back to a point of homelessness again. One of the things that our team feels is very beneficial is that the more we engage with them and check on them, if something is going on, we're able to address that and help them to rectify that situation before it leads them to a place of going back to a shelter. It's not to say that it's never happened, but generally when we keep in contact with them, if they have something that comes up, they can talk to us about it. We can give them some resources to help them try and get back on track. What you're describing to me sounds like family. They get some keys and they get a future and they get a family. Absolutely. That's amazing. How many people are in this program right about now? It would depend on which phase of the program that you are speaking. Well, just generally, how many people in extended services right now are we helping? Oh, wow. As a whole, from New Haven to Outreach to New Heights. Yeah. That's a lot of people. Um, There are at least 100 plus units at New Heights that um, that team serves. Um, So... You got 100 plus families over there. And then in our outreach department, we get phone calls daily in regards to serving our STAR outreach clients. And um, the word STAR for us means serving those at risk in, in the world of outreach. And in the New Haven program, you know, they have three satellite offices in regards to where they serve um, single men and women. And so that program alone as well can be anywhere between 100 to almost 200 individuals. So. We serve quite a few people. Okay, now you started to explain before, and I, I kind of cut you off so we could talk about uh, coordinated access. You're talking New Hope. You're talking New Horizons, New Heights, New Haven. Mm-hmm. Give us some new information <laughs> about all of these things. So, Kind of go one by one and tell us what the difference is. Okay, so New Haven is a permanent supportive housing program for single men and women who have been diagnosed with any disability, whether it's mental health or a physical disability. And the individual has to be considered chronically homeless. And Michelle explained that earlier Mm -hmm. in regards to the Mm -hmm. definition. Um, And case management services are provided from transportation to counseling to food assistance. There's also uh, recovery meetings and support that individuals can receive. And we also have these same services at the New Heights um, program as well. And this one is more towards singles and families. So if you walk on the campus uh, or the property, whether of New Hope Housing, Star of Hope has partnered with New Hope Housing to be able to provide services for single men and women when it comes to our New Haven program. And there's three locations throughout the city of Houston where these services are provided. And then those who are more family-oriented, the New Heights team out at the Cornerstone property are able to provide those same services and more from counseling support to food assistance to rental assistance and life skills and various programs are put in place by the awesome New Heights team out there. And while these individuals are there in this permanent supportive housing, um, they're able to have that great support that Michelle was talking about, how we walk alongside of our clients to be able to let them know we're here for you. Mm. If you need something with for your child, for yourself, a new employment opportunity idea, come and talk with us. So that's one of the things that I love about the Extended Services Department. Of course, we're always reaching out to see how we could help individuals. And I always play on that word because we are the outreach department. And I always ask my team, what can we do to reach out to help those? And when they come with situations, um, I say, well, what are those key solutions that will help change the situation for this individual or for this family? And through my three points of power and their three points of power, we're able to come up with some major point of power that could help move and change the situation for that family 
or that individual that we're trying to serve. So you are navigators, you are family, you are friends, you are counselors, and you're there, and your family gets bigger and bigger all the time, doesn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. My goodness. And and not only that, but you also will have um, events for some of the people in your programs. Tell me about that. Yes, so the outreach office is actually currently on the property of Park Yellowstone Apartment Homes, which is a low-income tax property right here in the heart of Houston, Texas, off of 288. And we have an office there, and we're able to serve that community wholeheartedly with love, joy, peace, and a lot of events. Fun, fun, fun all day long, um, because we believe in the joy and the light and the love of Christ, and we want it to shine so, so bright. Yes, we do, Scott. Yes, you do. And so on this particular property, we're able to have back-to-school events. Um, there's been things um, fun in the park, from fitness in the, in the park. Um, now that um, we're coming off the world of the pandemic, the swimming pool was able to open back up. And this year we had a, a, a pool party kickoff splash to the summertime. During our holiday season, we're able to love on senior citizens within the community and provide Thanksgiving baskets. We also open up to this community an opportunity to receive Christmas gifts through our Glad Tidings Adoptive Family Christmas program. And individuals are also able to meet with Michelle and myself about um, family matters as it relates to um, needing school supplies or back-to-school uniforms. We just actually met with a couple of families earlier this month because we know school started um, a couple of weeks ago. And it's just always been a blessing for us to really just be in the heart of this particular community and to serve this community in the way that um, they've allowed us and, and the community has allowed us. We, we constantly get little notes and emails and text messages through our Star of Hope line, our outreach line, saying thank you so much, Star of Hope, for what you do. We really appreciate you being in this community. And actually, at our back-to-school event this year, there was a young lady who walked up to me and said, you know, I was once at your Women and Family Development Center, but now I live here at Park Yellowstone in my own apartment. And I just want to say thank you so much for letting your light shine like this because I was able to receive support at the Women and Family Development Center, and now I'm here. And to know that I could still have that support, it's just really a blessing. This was really cool and how you guys love on this community. So it's really cool to see the hands and feet of Jesus just spreading out into the world and how we're able to do it in the outreach department and throughout the entire extended services department. And we have um, some amazing, some amazing programs that we are trying to create some new things for the future. Michelle does some really cool things out in Conroe, the Montgomery County area and serving that spring and Woodlands community and even Woodless, Willis, Texas, little Willis right down the street wow. there. From Conroe, she's done some things out there as well, and she stretched her hands as far as Livingston, going past Huntsville. So, we're really excited to see our borders expand. Um, speaking of borders expanding, there's some new territory that we're taking over in the Fort Bend area with one of our love and action vans. Our outreach case manager is going to be out there canvassing that area, and we have a new territory that just came on our map um, within this past month is Brazoria County. So we'll have an extended services case manager out there, another Michelle, if you will, to go out there to um, let her light shine or his light shine. And we're excited about that opportunity for that person. And we're just excited to let the community know what Star of Hope is doing, who we are, and how we are so much more than just three great hot meals and a place to sleep. So I'm excited. The outreach team is doing some amazing thing. Extended services is is doing some really amazing things. I know 
we've um, been around for 10 years plus now, and it's just been a really, really cool opportunity to see how we could um, go beyond the borders of our walls and connect with great community partners and really serve our community in a way that's like never been served before. A lot of people are seeing the Love in Action vans, and we have a number of them out there, actually a fleet at this point. Yes. And tell us a little bit about uh, how that started and where it's going and what it's doing. Well, the Love and Action Ministry has been around for 20-plus-plus plus years. Um, but when extended services came into play, that particular ministry had the opportunity to be put into this, into this department. And so when Erica and I were talking about all things outreach and what we wanted outreach to look like, we decided, well, she decided that the Love and Action Band Ministry was going to be placed in the outreach world. And I was like, great, let's make it happen. And so as a result of that, these past eight years, we've seen the Love and Action Van serve in such a phenomenal way. We're not just giving out water, but we're taking the time to build great relationship and rapport with those who are living on the street. We talk about that chronic homeless situation. Well, the guys that have served in this Love and Action Van ministry are not afraid to go into the woods and the highways and the byways underneath those encampments to really connect with those who have been living in tent city or tents and abandoned buildings for years to say, you know, Star of Hope is here for you. How are you today? How can I help you? Would you like some hope? And then extending the opportunity to give that hope bag that's filled with great hygiene items, some really cool nutritious snacks. And then of course, we have um, some inspirational cards that some of our donors take the time to write out for us to be able to share inside of those hope bags. And so. We are excited in how we're continuing to being able to expand our territory. I talked about Fort Bend and Brazoria coming on the map real soon. And so I'm excited to see how our numbers are going to increase even the more as we begin to share what Star Pope can do for those who have found themselves in a place to say, this is how I'm supposed to live. But then we're able to come along aside them and say, you know what? God does have a great purpose for you. There is greater. And can I show you what that looks like? And it's not just drivers. These, these are case workers. These are case they, these managers. These are out, they're managers. Mm-hmm. And they manage. I mean, they go and they have the heart of Jesus. Yeah. You know, they're, they're, they're Jesus on the streets. They truly are. And I have an, almost 30 years of working with Star of Hope. I've been out there many times with the vans. And it's, it's I, I think probably the best perception is it is not hype, it's hope. A lot of people say, hey, we're going to help you, but they keep driving by. They go out almost every day. uh, And they know the names of the people out there. The people know their names. And when they see the Love in Action van, it means something. It means hope. It means that maybe today I will go back in. Maybe today I'll change my life. Maybe today I'll start. And they go up and they ask the question, are you tired yet? Mm-hmm. Are you are you ready to get off the streets yet? Yeah, that's it. And if the answer is no, fine. But they'll see him again tomorrow, and the next day, and the next day, and after a while, maybe they do get tired. They do. And that's what I love about it. And they go out there, and they aren't just handing out water and blankets and pat you on the back and say Jesus loves you. They do all that, but they do so much more. They talk. How are you? How's your family? Does the family know you're here? You know, yes. how can we help yes. you? Even if you're not going to get in the van and come back to the the facility at this time, what can I do for you now? And they do that time and time again. They've been doing it down in the Houston area for years. 
And uh, mm-hmm. now they have gone out to Fort Bend County, kind of where I live. And I thought there wasn't a lot of homeless out there, but they're going out and talking to the nonprofits. They're talking to sheriff's departments. They're talking to uh, women's shelters, et cetera, et cetera, and letting them know that Star of Hope is reaching out, not only just in the Houston area now, but also Fort Bend, Brazoria County, Montgomery County. And I want to ask you, Michelle, I mean, how can there be a lot of homeless people? You said Willis, and I pictured a homeless cowboy. I mean, you know, <laughs> as stereotype as that may be, but oh my gosh, what, what's out there and why are you doing that? Well, I would say this is the first thing. Most people have their idea about what homelessness looks like and what individuals are actually homeless. And the thing that we have seen and found over the past couple of years is that the traditional picture of what a homeless person or family looks like is not the same. We are running into individuals who have degrees, who have specialized trade and vocational skills that are still ending up homeless. Right now, I think one of the biggest issues that we are having is the inflation in the housing market. One-bedroom apartments are going for $1,000 per month Mm. in most areas. And even if you are working a full-time job, for most families, the requirement is that you make three times that amount just to qualify for the unit. So if I am a working person, but I still am not able to afford a place to go into, I am still homeless. I may be in a shelter, I may be in a car, I may be moving around from days to be at a hotel to being in my car just to try and give my family some relief on a few days, but they're spending up their entire paycheck with hotel stays. And when you get out into the areas where there are smaller communities, there are not a lot of services that are offered there. Um, I was born and raised in Conroe, and I've been there my entire life. And I have seen that there's more services that are offered there now than there have been in the past. But transitional living facilities and shelters are very few. The how, how, how do you... How do you identify these people? I mean, it's it's not like they're on the street with a sign. They actually are. Really? Um, there are a lot of homeless out in that area, and I think some of them have been transitioning from Houston, but I've also ran into a lot of people that are transitioning here from other states. Um, we have had an influx of people from Chicago, Michigan, Indiana, California, New York, Florida, that have all came here and their understanding was that there were better offers for employment here because they were struggling to live there. Um, But one of the issues is that when you get into the smaller communities and you don't have those resources, then it makes it harder for you to get on your feet. So it kind of keeps you in that same situation because, okay, I'm working, but I still don't have enough to qualify for a unit. So what do I do? You have the choice to either put your family in a hotel on some days or go into a shelter um, or to live on the streets. Those are the only options and not all homeless individuals have vehicles that they can go to. So at that point, you're actually on the street. And then more of the trees and habitations where you would normally not be able to visibly see the homeless have been torn down because there's more housing developments that are coming into place. So they're really running out of places to go. Um, But there is a great deal that are on the streets. Um, A lot of them do get arrested. For instance, with Salvation Army in Conroe, um, the 
prop the manager that is there has worked with the police department so that she has gotten the approval for them to be able to hang out in the back of the facility but they're not able to be in the front um, if they're in the front of the facility, then that's considered loitering. So um, they get fines or tickets or even possibly pasted in jail. So it's really important that we try and meet with them as soon as possible to try and get an assessment done to try and get them into shelter and onto the coordinated access housing list so that they are at least working toward a goal of a place to stay. A lot of the agencies that are there, because they do know that services are limited, they are willing to work with us. So it has not been hard for me to call and say, hey, okay, I'm here in Conroe today. If you need my help to come and do some assessments, I can come and see. Or a lot of them do projects where they are feeding them, and so I can just pop in. They're okay with me just stopping by without even calling first. And so um, they've been very welcoming and allowing me to work with the clients that they have there. They will even call and say, hey, okay, I have this person that just came in, but they have a lot going on because that's one of the important things about our department. We are not cookie cutter. We're not confined to only helping with certain things. Generally, when we meet with clients, we ask, how can we help you? Not this is what we can do for you, but how can we help you? And so as the clients continue to talk, they may mention things that they would never initially ask for help for because they don't see it as a problem. But in just sitting and talking with them, we can say, hey, okay, these are some areas where we're able to help this person. Let's try and see what we can do to get them what they need. Do the two of you go home at night, put your feet up, close your eyes, say a little prayer, and realize that you change people's lives today? Well, I think it's an ongoing thing. Most of us run into people even after hours. So <laughs> our work never officially turns off. Um, and then we get referrals from other people who know that we work from Star of Hope. So they'll call, hey, we have these people. Can you help them? So we may get to do that a little bit. But most of the time, we're still working, still trying to come up with new ideas and new ways to make things better for the families and the individuals that we work with. And I'll just also add this to Scott. It, it's also because of the generous support that we receive from community partners and our awesome donors who allow us to be able to provide the resources that Michelle spoke about, those unusual resources when the family is saying, oh, my goodness, so you can literally help me get back to North Carolina. I know I came here to get some support, and the fortune is not working out, so you're literally going to give me a bus ticket, and I can go back home to my family. We're like, absolutely, and we're going to make sure you get something to eat before you get on that bus, and make sure everybody has clothes and shoes if they didn't have it and you guys will be back um, in a place and space and on your way to safety and to a place where you can go back and call home so but it's because of the support that we have from community partners and donors that make that happen so we are blessed indeed tell me this what do you need besides financial help I would say anything that a person could think of would be something that would be beneficial to our families because they are people just like us. They get up, they go to work, they go to school, they're sending their kids. Um, one of the things that I think is really important is that we get assistance from individuals who are able to help our clients be even more successful. So if they know ways for them to improve their family situation, and it could be through education, classes, opportunities um, that they afford to our clients, anything that can make their lives better. 
Um, we could always definitely use the clothing, the shoes, the hygiene products, the school supplies, um, financial assistance, and all of those things. But sometimes a person's time and their knowledge and skill set can be very beneficial to our families to help break the cycles that they may have been in for years. Um, I think that's one of the things that we have found with a lot of our families. Most of their thought process comes from the way that they were raised and their upbringing. And so some of the things that they may view as normal, we have to adjust them to show them that there are other options that will put your family in a better situation and, you know, make life as full as possible for you and your family and allow you to provide the things that you need for you and your children. Di, how big is the extended services team? I think we're probably at 22. I know that um, Brandon just hired some new people and Tamela is bringing on a couple of new faces and soon my team will grow as well. So let's just say 25 to keep it live. So, you know, <laughs> hey, about 25 or so. But we are growing, and there are some great things that are taking place in this wonderful world. So anybody who wants to support, you also ask, you know, what do we need? And Michelle shared a lot of great resources. But every individual and family is unique. There may be the opportunity to supply furniture assistance, and we do work with um, a local nonprofit here to help us with some furniture matters for families. We also may need resources in regards to food baskets, um, that hotel assistance in regards to helping that family transition, like the young lady that we spoke about earlier with her two children. Um, school clothing. We had a family who needed some school uniforms for their children. And Michelle, during this time of year, she'll get several phone calls from families saying, you know, can I just have at least two more uniforms for my kiddos so that we could have a full set of uniforms for the week, for the first week, so I'm not struggling trying to wash the uniform every single day. So every, of course, situation is unique, but we, like Michelle said, because of the families and individuals that we serve, we always need all types of resources and we don't turn any down because we need it. Mm. And prayers. Amen. Indeed. Absolutely. Always need prayer. How do people get in touch with you? They could, t they could actually email us at outreach at SOHmission.org. And that information will go into the entire outreach team, and we can all be connected to see um, what our wonderful world is saying to us. Or they can reach me, Di Tubbs, and my email address is dtubbs, D-T-U-B-B-S, at SOHmission.org. And they can reach me at Jones at SOHmission.org. We also have a link on our website where they can go in and fill out information and put in the areas or things that they are needing. And that email comes to our entire team as well. Diane, Michelle, thank you so much for your time here today and what you and your teams do to help the homeless and nearly homeless in Houston and the surrounding areas. And uh, as Michelle said, for more information about extended services, you can also visit SOHmission.org and click on Our Services and find out even more. Well, that's it for now. This is Scott Arthur saying, until next time, keep a soul full of joy and a heart filled with hope. A Moment of Hope is produced and presented by the Star of Hope Mission, ending homelessness one life, one family at a time by providing services to more than 1,000 homeless men, women, and children each day in Houston. Could you spare a little hope today? 
For more information or to donate to the Star of Hope mission, please visit sohmission.org.